All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to wrap up chapter 8 today. Uh, so we're going to be looking at verses 48 through 59. John chapter 8. Now, remember I've told you that when we started in chapter 7, there's a shift in the book where the writer, John, is wanting us to understand the hostility towards Jesus. And so we saw that in chapter 7. We've seen that in chapter 8. We're going to wrap it up today. Starting next week, when we get into chapter 9, we're going to really get into some really... It starts off with a really personal question for us to answer, like, why do bad things happen to people? What do you mean? So next week, when we go, we're going to see the man who's born blind. And the disciples asked, who sinned? Was it his parents, or did he sin in the womb? And, that, and that's kind of stuff we face, right? When some, something tragic happens, maybe somebody's house burned down, I wonder what they did. You know, that's the kind of focus that we have in our world. We've got to find somebody to blame. And so we're going to talk about that next week. That's relevant for us, but that's next week. So this week we're going to finish up this whole discussion about the nature of belief. And so we're looking at part three of our discussion today. So when we talk about belief, when we talk about what it means to believe him, you also have to understand the nature of unbelief. And we're going to see that today. We're going to see, whereas last week he was talking to people who follow him, this week he's going to get reactions from those who don't want to believe him who are angry with him, who by the end of this passage want to pick up stones and kill him. And through that, we're going to see what the nature of belief is for you and I. So let's look at it together. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the last section, verses 48 through 59. 48 through 59. Here's what John writes. It'll be up on the screen for you as well. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, that if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say that if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, 
And you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You're like, wow, what's going on here, George? It's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm grasping some of what's happening here, but I'm not grasping it. What's, what's happening here? Well, what we're going to do to understand what this interaction is with Jesus, and again, remember, we're talking about his interaction with a crowd who most of them don't believe, and they're angry at him. So what we're going to see, if we're going to divide it into two sections, we're going to see, first of all, unbelief. And when we talk about their unbelief, I'll be honest with you, it's going to help you to understand unbelief around you. What do you mean? Well, have you ever talked to anybody about Jesus and they didn't really want to hear you? They kind of blew you off? And, and every once in a while, you might actually get somebody who reacts. We're going to see why that happens here with their unbelief. Then we're going to see the real Jesus, okay? The real Jesus. Jesus is actually going to tell you who he is. Now, this is significant because right now there's a group of people who meet. They used to have a place here in our community. used to have a place in, in Clearfield. Uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God. And they would say that he never claimed to be God. Really? Then you're missing what he said in this passage. Because he's going to make a big statement that the Jews understand that's why they picked up a stone to kill him. So we're going to see that today. We're going to see who the real Jesus is. Now, when you understand who the real Jesus is, then that becomes the basis for your what? Faith. For your belief. So let me help you to understand. When we talk about faith in the gospel... The gospel is not pray a prayer and you'll be saved from hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a person, Jesus Christ, and your faith in him, which then what? Frees you from your sin, frees you from hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a belief in a person, and we're going to find out who that person is today in this passage. So let's look at it together. Let's talk about unbelief. We're looking at verses 48 through 53. I'm going to take these a few verses at a time. So let's talk about, we'll start off with their reaction to what Jesus has been saying up to this point. Look with me at 48. Here's what they say. It's very interesting. The Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So they're being very derogatory with him. By them saying you're a Samaritan, the Samaritan were like the bottom rung of their society. They were a group of people that they considered apostates. They were people that they didn't want to even have any contact with. And they're like, well, you must be a Samaritan. And the next thing they say is, you have a demon. What are they doing here? Well, there is a readiness to dismiss Jesus and his words as crazy. They're just ready to dismiss it. And they're ready to dismiss it by what? Attacking who he is. We see that all the time. You get in, you know, there's nothing wrong with having an argument with a person. It's how the argument goes. 
Argument is a discussion that happens when you have two people that have two different viewpoints. Now what happens is, is that arguments can turn ugly. And one of the things that happens, we watch that all the time around us, doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, is that sooner or later, if an argument goes wrong, it devolves to the point where you are no longer discussing the issue that's being discussed, you're discussing who the person is that's making the issue. And a lot of times they will, what, tear the person down. They'll argue from the perspective of destroying the, the person who is speaking rather than considering what the person is speak, saying. That's what they're doing here. It's no longer what Jesus is saying. Do we need to consider his words? Do we need to consider what he's saying? Maybe there's some truth to it. He's got a demon. He's a Samaritan. He's crazy. That's unbelief. Unbelief has made up its mind. We're not listening to you. There's a problem with you. That's what's being said here. That's what's going on. So here's what happens. You get to verse 49 and 51. Look at what's being said now. Here's what Jesus says. I do not have a demon. So Jesus is right off the bat. Look, you guys got it wrong. I don't have a demon. But here's what's going on. But I honor my father. I'm honoring God. But you, look at what he's saying here. You dishonor me. So he's pointing out what they're doing wrong. Here's what he says. He goes on. I do not seek my own. There is one who seeks and judge. What's he saying? I don't seek my own glory, but there's one who will seek my glory. That's what? God the Father. And guess what? He judges. Who's he going to judge? He's going to judge the ones that dishonor him. He goes on here. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. What does he do? He always turns back to the reality of how you can be saved, how you can have eternal life, how you can be redeemed. You just listen to him. Keep his words. So here's the point I want you to see. They chose not to honor Jesus or his words. They chose. All right, so let me just stop for a moment. I used to be of this perspective. I used to believe that when somebody doesn't believe, it's because they don't have enough information. That if I gave them enough information, then eventually they will come to a, oh, aha, yes, I believe moment. Well, let me tell you how that's gone. Not well. And so what I would do is, here's one, this works real great. Let's say this is, this is a book, but it's the Bible. Let's say it's just a normal book. Oh, just read this book. Watch this video series. Listen to this speaker. Let me meet, introduce you to my friend. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get them more, what? Information. And then here's what ends up happening. So I give them a book. They don't read it. I get them a video series. They don't put it on. I bring them to have coffee with a friend who might answer their questions. The subject never comes up because they don't want the subject to come up. And I've come to the conclusion it's not an information issue. 
It's a choice. They don't want to believe. They choose not to honor Jesus or his words. They don't have time. You know what I'm saying. Think about people that you've talked with. It's a choice. Now, it's the ones who sincerely want to know. They're the ones that you make inroads with, right? But the ones who don't? It's going nowhere. These guys have decided, we're not listening to you. You have a demon. You're a Samaritan. So they choose. They choose not to honor Jesus or his words. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Why is that happening? Verse 52 gives it to you. Look at verse 52. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. What's going on here? They rejected Jesus' words based on their limited understanding. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, what they say in verse 52 makes perfect sense. What do you mean? Here's what Jesus is saying. If anyone keeps my words, he will never taste death. Here's what they say. Now we know you're crazy. And they mention one man who is their father, and he mentions another group. And in their minds, these were people who did what God said. Abraham, he did what God said. But guess what? He's dead. The prophets, they did what God said. But they're dead. What are you talking about? If somebody keeps your word, they'll never die. They're dead. Therefore, you're nuts. What's happening here? They are rejecting Jesus based on their limited understanding. Here's what their limited understanding is. They thought when you're dead, it's over. It didn't enter into their minds that you continue on. How do we know that? A little bit later in the, in, in the book, in the Gospels, Jesus will say I am, you know, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by that, he proves by saying to them that they are still alive. Because he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And even though Abraham is physically dead, and even though the prophets are physically dead, they still live. Why? Because they have eternal life. Because of their what? Faith. And when he talks about dying, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death, which is what? The second death hell but see they don't understand that so when they listen to Jesus they're blowing him off they're rejecting him why because they could only see it through their limited understanding now do you understand why people reject you here you are you have come to faith in Jesus Christ God is real to you you talk to him he talks to you through his word. 
You pray, you see God answer prayers. In fact, you see God do things that you realize that was God and you didn't even ask him for it, but he was helping you. And God is real to you. And there you are, you're telling your friend, wow, look at what God did for me. Or this is what God is doing in this situation. And wow, look at this. And they're like, wow, that was a coincidence. There's a logical explanation for that. And it doesn't make sense to me, but nah, I don't think that's God thing. Well, what's going on? They only see it through their own understanding, so therefore they what? Reject. They reject Jesus, they reject your Jesus, they reject his words. That's unbelief. And that's what's happening here with Jesus. It's unbelief. So then that gets to the place when we come to verse 53 where they want to question who Jesus is. They want to question his words. And you see that happening all around you, don't you? Ultimately, it gets down to the point where they just have to question who he is. How do you know? How do you know for sure? How do you know he's not any different? How do you know there is not somebody better? Here's what happens. Verse 53. They said... Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? You know what's a nice way? Who do you think you are? That's what they're saying here. Who do you think you are? Who does this Jesus think he is? Who does he think he is? And you hear people like, who does God think he is that he could come in and tell me how to live? That's really the attitude of our society because we're, it's so independent. I can believe whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Who are you, God, to tell me different? That's unbelief, folks. So here's what I want you to see. They question what Jesus was saying about himself. They question what Jesus was saying about himself. And let me tell you, folks, right out there today, we live in a postmodern world where absolute truth means nothing. Truth is whatever you believe. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And here's the reality. If Jesus comes and says, I'm the only way, how do we know that? How dare he say he's the only way? There's many ways. And so there is a questioning of who Jesus is and what he says about him. That's un. Belief. Now, here is what happens. I find it very interesting. You would think that Jesus would reveal who he was to his disciples. It would make sense, wouldn't it? That with his 12 who are following him, with the others who are following him, he would just be there and he would say to them, okay, look, I want you to understand who I am. I'm him. I'm God. We, we, would, we would think that would make sense, that, that Jesus would reveal himself, who he is, to his disciples. But that's not what he does. He reveals who he is to the people who don't want to believe to the people who are rejecting him, to the people who want to kill him. Why is he doing that? I think it's ultimately so that they don't have any excuse. 
So they can't say, well, we didn't know who he was. He's going to tell them who he is. This is the real Jesus we're going to see here now. Look with me. First thing I want you to see. Jesus points out in verses 54 and 55, it's the issue of glory. Who, who is bringing glory to Jesus? They say that Jesus is trying to glorify himself. He says, no, I'm not trying to glorify myself. Here's what he says. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Let, yet you have not known him, and I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but you but I do know him and keep his word. Here's what he says. The father who they claim to follow is honoring him. So he's talking to people who are claiming, we are followers of Yahweh. We are followers of the God of Abraham. He's our God. You're just trying to honor yourself. Jesus says, look, I'm not trying to honor myself. My father honors me. Now, what does that mean? When he's sitting on a hillside with a few loaves and a couple of fishes. He asked God to bless the meal, and guess what? He feeds 5,000. God honored him. When he sees somebody who's blind, he heals that man in the name of God. God honors him. He's casting out demons, raising the dead. God's honoring him, blessing who he is pointing out who he is, honoring him, glorifying him. The Father is honoring him. Guess what? They're not honoring him. And he says, you claim to follow this God, but this God is the one who's honoring me because he's my Father. I know who he is. I'm honored by the Father. First thing you're going to see about the real Jesus, the Father honors him. Here's the second thing. They talk about Father Abraham. Hear him? Abraham's our father. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Here's what he says. Look with me. It's an amazing statement. Verse 56. Yet you have not known him. That's verse 55. And I know him. If I say I don't know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Listen, first, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And was glad. All right, now, wait a minute. That, on surface, seems like a really weird statement, doesn't it? The first part, you can almost wrap your brain about. Because it, it's like, your father Abraham rejoiced to see that day. It's like, it's like Abraham knew that that day was coming when I would show up. And he was excited about what was coming. We can grasp that one. It's the second part we have a hard time with. What do you mean? Because he says here, and he saw it and was glad. All right, now, you would say, well, you know what? I'm kind of like with those Jews. He's dead. What do you mean he saw it? He saw it because he interacted with Jesus. What? When did that happen? You go back to Genesis. Do you remember God came with some angels and met with Abraham? They had a meal together. And God said to him, by this time next year, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. 
That, my friends, was the pre-incarnate Christ meeting with him. And remember when he left from there, they were heading off towards Sodom, and Abraham meets with him, and it says he meets with him what? Face to face. Now, let me explain something to you. That the whole concept of face to face, that means intimacy. Abraham was intimate with who? God. In the person of Jesus. And you know what God says? If you look at that passage, he said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And he's telling Abraham, I'm going to Sodom and I'm going to destroy the place. And guess what Abraham does? Abraham then interacts with him and says, Would you destroy the place if there were 50 righteous there? No, if there are 50 righteous, I would spare it. And he brings it on down to 10. Because maybe in Abraham's mind he's thinking there's 10 people there, but there isn't. But guess what? He still spares Lot and his family. What's going on here? The point I want you to see is, is Jesus is saying, Abraham rejoiced to see his day. What's his day? The day when the Messiah would show up and he said, guess what? He saw it. What do you mean he saw it? He saw me. He saw me. So the point I want you to see here is this. He points out that, rejo that Abraham rejoiced to see his day, and he did. He is someone special. Listen, folks, it'll change your whole perspective if you begin from the beginning in Genesis and work your way through the Old Testament and you begin to realize that it's Jesus is the one who shows up. It's Jesus. And you begin to realize this is about Jesus. Yes, it's about Israel. Yes, it's about what's coming. But yes, it's about Jesus. So there are, if you're listening and you don't believe and you've already rejected him, you can't grasp that. And they don't grasp it. So I want you to see what happens here. Look with me at verse 57 and 58. The Jews, they're listening to him and saying, wait, you, you're saying Abraham saw you? How, how's that possible? Notice they understood what he said. Abraham saw you? How's that possible? Look what they say. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? So here comes the statement. It's powerful. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He just made a claim. He just revealed who he was. What do you mean he revealed? He just said, I am. What, what is that? What's the significance of that? Well, if you go with me, Back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. You'll see it up on your screen. Listen to what the Lord said to Moses. Moses, before this verse, says to him, Okay, God, if I go back to Egypt and I tell them that you said that I need to set my people free, they're going to say, Who sent you? Who is this God? And look at what God says about himself. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am 
have sent me to you. It's a title of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, it is the most intimate term for God. I am. So here's Jesus. And they're saying, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you saw him? How is that possible? I mean, think about it for a moment. If we're, if we're, you know, if the weather was a little bit better, we're interacting around here in Kerbinsville and Clearfield, and we come across a guy, and he says, I, I, you know, George Washington was my buddy. I was there when he chopped down the cherry tree, and his dad reprimanded him. George, you know what we would say to that? You're not even 50. Can I take you to Dubois to the hospital? You're crazy. That's what's going on here. They're like, you're saying Abraham saw you and rejoiced with you. You saw it. How's that? But you're not even 50. He says, before Abraham was, I am. I'm God. So here's the point I want you to see. Jesus reveals himself as God since he was before Abraham. Let's pause for a moment. I need you to grasp with me the spectacular nature of your salvation. It's more than just believing in Jesus. It's more than just knowing that he died for you. He's taken away your sins. It's more than that. It's who? It's Jesus. It's who he is. It's, he's God. And when you wrap your brain around that, God loved me. God died for me. The second person being crucified of the Trinity, dying for you. God entered into my life through the person of the Holy Spirit. God is with me every day. You're never alone. Why do we say that sometimes when we're going through the midst of it? I do it. I mean, I think I would know better by now when I'm going through it. I, I, it comes out of my mouth. Why? Because it's natural. Where are you, God? Do you ever say things like that? Why am I going through this, Lord? That is a wrong statement. I'm wrong when I say that. Why? Because he's within me through the person of the Holy Spirit. God, who loved me, died for me. God, who loved me, saved me. God, who loved me, gave me new, a new life and will give me a new body later on and I will be with him forever. God is with me through the midst of everything that I go through. And we know that. Why? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God. And Jesus reveals himself as God. And because he was before Abraham. Think about it for a moment. Remember, remember in the other Gospels, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he reveals himself in all of his glory, and Moses and Elijah come up and talk to him? They're kind of like talking with him like they've always known him. Why? 
Because they did. Because he's God. So here's the reality. It gets back to the unbelief. Final point I want you to see here. This is what the unbelief is. Look with me at verse 59. Here's what happens. So when he says this, guess what they do? They go berserk. Don't tell me they didn't understand what he was saying. What he was claiming about himself. Look at what they do. Verse 59. Then they took up stones to throw at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through their midst of them, and so passed by. Why? Because it wasn't his time yet. Here's what I want you to see. Unbelief reacts and seeks to remove Jesus through all means. We just want to get rid of him. We don't believe him. We don't care. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm amazed sometimes at, at the secularism in our country versus secularism overseas. Like when you're in Europe. We, we like to, secularists like to lift up Europe, but here's the point. Europe has come to some kind of balance where they have faith, but they also have their secularism. Now, in our country, when we have secularism, it wants to remove all aspects of faith. Have you noticed that? Like they can't coexist. Why is that? Because they don't believe. And they think you're nuts for believing. What is that? Unbelief. And they chose to not believe. Because he is who he is. All right, now, what do you say, George? Where do we, where do we go with this? Okay. We're wrapping this up. We, we spent several weeks looking at this whole issue of the hostility towards Jesus and the nature of belief. So let me wrap it up to you in two ways. First of all, let's talk about you. When we talk about belief for you, we're not talking about an action. So quit reducing it to that. Belief is not just praying a prayer. Belief is not being baptized. Folks, if, ba if, if baptism could save people, I would be out at the lake all summer long telling people, just let me dunk you, you'll be okay. But that's not it. It's not an action. It's a trust in, belief is more than just believing some set of facts. It's knowing and embracing a person. Who's the person? Jesus. Who's Jesus? God. Who loved you and died for you. Who will always be with you. And who will one day come for you. That's who he is. That's the basis of belief. That is the nature of belief. It is a person. And making the decision to follow him. But here's the second thing. Unbelief. And we see it all around us. We interact with people who are in this place. Let's just remind ourselves what it is. They're operating by their own limited understanding. They're blind to the reality of who he is. And guess what? They choose, and you need to grasp this, they choose not to believe. It's not because they don't have enough information. It's because they choose not to believe.
So where are you at? Hopefully you're at the place where you understand who he is and you've decided to follow him. Because the reality is, is that, let's go back to what he said earlier in this chapter. If you choose not to believe and honor him, you will die in your sins. Let's pray.